Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Brothers and sisters, God has called you to freedom. Hear the call and do not spoil this gift by using your liberty to engage in what your flesh desires. Instead, use it to serve each other as Jesus taught us, taught through love. For the whole law comes down to this one instruction, love your neighbor as yourself. So while this vicious gnawing at each other, if you are not careful, you will find you've eaten each other alive. Here's my instruction. Walk in the Spirit and let the Spirit bring order to your life. If you do, you will never give in to your selfish and sinful cravings. For everything the flesh desires goes against the Spirit, and everything the Spirit desires goes against the flesh. There is a constant battle raging between them that prevents you from doing the good you want to do. But when you are led by the Spirit, you are no longer subject to the law. It's clear that our flesh entices us entices us into practicing some of its most heinous acts, participating in corrupt sexual relationships, impurity, unbridled lust, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, arguing, jealousy, anger, selfishness, contentiousness, division, envy of others' good fortune, drunkenness, drunken revelry, and other shameful vices that plague humankind. There's a lot more of them than the the good ones, isn't there? I told you this clearly before, and I only tell you again, so there was no room for confusion. Those who give in to those ways, these ways, will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit produces a different kind of fruit, unconditional love, joy, peace, patience, kind-heartedness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You won't find any law opposed to fruit like this. Those of us who belong to the anointed one have crucified our old lives and put to death the flesh and all the lusts and desires that plague us. Now, since we have chosen to walk with the Spirit, let's keep each step in perfect sync with God's Spirit. This will happen when we set aside our self-interest and work together to create true community instead of a culture consumed by provocation, pride, and envy. Now, we've read that every week so far. We've got one more week to go. Make sure I don't stand on that. Um, I don't know if anyone's mentioned so far that actually there's not nine fruits there. There's only one. The word fruit in that list is singular. It's not plural. So it's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruit. And this is the correct translation. Every English translation, apart from one of the Greek, has that word in the singular. It's the fruit of the Spirit. There's only one fruit of the Spirit. And all nine character traits in that list are simply aspects or flavors of that one fruit. That's why I searched carefully on the internet and found two pictures showing one fruit with lots of flavors or lots of aspects. So we can't say, I've got the love and the peace, man. But don't expect me to be patient and self-controlled. Leave that to someone else. We cannot pick and choose the ones that we like or perhaps that are naturally closer to our own character anyway. It's like the best wine. I'm not an expert on this, but we should exhibit all the flavor notes in the fruit of the Spirit, not just a few of them. And this makes the fruit of the Spirit actually quite different from the gifts of the Spirit, which we've taught on at other times, which are listed in 1 Corinthians. Gifts is definitely plural. And in this case, we would not necessarily expect or perhaps even desire to have all the gifts. We might only have one or two or three. So it's the fruit of the Spirit. 
That was just a little aside. <laughs> we're now going to talk about one of those flavors, one of those aspects. And the aspects we're going to talk about is gentleness. In most of your translations, you'll read the word gentleness. Now, I had great difficulty preparing for today. Gentleness. I mean, actually, John and Anna said it all. I mean, really, that's it. You know, <laughs> There's a fantastic picture of gentleness in action. How much more can I say about that? What does gentleness actually mean? Let's look at the dictionary definition. Right, so the Oxford English Living Dictionary. Gentleness, the quality of being kind, tender, or mild-mannered, softness of action or effect, lightness. And I felt a bit like poor Sarah Long. I don't even remember. When we had that series on the 12 disciples, she had to speak on James and Thaddeus, where pretty much all we know about them is their names. You can't say much about them from names. It was an excellent talk, despite the difficult subject. Last week, we had faithfulness. I mean, you can really get your teeth into that. And next week, self-control. I mean, there's so much that can be said about that one, of course. But gentleness. I mean, it will probably take me about five minutes, which would be unusual for me, and then we can all go home. <clears throat> but notice something slightly strange about that list. Um, the fruit have actually got increasingly challenging as we go on. It's not necessarily in terms of demonstrating them, but in terms of what we get out of it ourselves. We can all understand and get hold of the positives of maintaining joy and love and peace and patience and kindness. If we do those, then either we benefit directly from the peace and the patience, or we benefit indirectly because the people we show, it, show them to will hopefully show the same back to us. But goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and especially self-control, the one we all have problems with, they're much more challenging to maintain the right attitude towards. Because honestly, we can't see so much of it in it for ourselves. It all just seems like a lot of hard work with little gain. But however, if that's the case, then gentleness seems a bit out of place. Because being kind, tender, mild-mannered, not very different, is not very different for the earlier kindness, which we didn't have because it snowed last time. Fergus was due to speak of that. But it's not, it might not seem so challenging, and there is some gain if you're gentle to people. Maybe they'll be gentle back to there. But is there something else going on? Um, is gentleness a good translation of the Greek word that's being used by Paul? You'll find in almost every modern translation of the Bible, it does use that word gentleness. But if you look a little bit further back, if you look at some of the older ones, you'll find something different. Um, there it is. That's the King, good old King James Version. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. So that's patience. I don't think there's much difference between those. Gentleness. Sorry, no, it's in a different order, is it? Gentleness is in there, but that's actually kindness, I think, in a modern translation. Goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, that's self-control, and against there, there, that such there is no law. So why have they all changed, all the translations changed from the word meekness to gentleness? So next slide, please. We're going to learn a bit of Greek here. The word there in the Greek is prautas. prautas. I'm not very good at speaking Greek. But prautas, prautas is how you pronounce it, apparently. And the, the most sort of respected Bible lexicon, a dictionary say that they'll use in all the Bible college, it costs you about 100, 100, over 100 pounds to buy, says this, Pratas means the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. And then it puts in brackets or italics, gentleness, humility, courtesy, considerateness, meekness. 
this is a consistent change. If we look at all these, I, I did this little, this is a bit of fun, the sort of thing I like doing. The, this word at the top, prioritize, occurs 12 times in the New Testament. Sorry, I could see it here. In the King James Version, the good, uh, 1666, well, I, remember, 1611, every time it's translated meekness. In the English Standard Version, which is sort of a modern version of the King James, it's more a literal translation, seven times it's gentleness, four times it's meekness, and once it's courtesy. In the NIV, which is the one I usually read, nine times it's gentleness and three times it's humility. There's another word which means, so gentleness is the noun, uh, the, 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 the thing, and prowess is the, it's the, it's the adjective, describing the word of being gentle or being meek. And that occurs only four times in the New Testament, and likewise in the King James, it's meek. In English Standard, it's meek once, and you'll see where that is in a minute. Twice it's gentle, once it's humble in the NIV, once it's meek still. Uh, and so that's probably, that's unusual for the NIV, and three times it's gentle. So it's interesting, there is a consistent change. Why have they changed the word meek to the word gentle? And the reason is, is meek just does not mean today what it used to mean. Let's look at the dictionary.com definition of the word meek. So this is on the online dictionary. It says humble, patient, or docile, as under provocation from others, overly submissive, compliant, spiritless, tame. And then obsolete is the meaning of gentle and kind. So it is an obsolete meaning, gentle and kind, which is why they changed it to gentleness. Fascinating. There's a, another dictionary definition. I don't know if I've got this on a... No, it's not on a slide. The Merriam-Webster dictionary says this, having or showing a quiet and gentle nature, not wanting to fight or argue with other people. That's what it says for meekness. So to people today, the word meek means timid, soft-spoken and wimpy, basically. We could conclude we have to be shy, unassuming, and afraid of confrontation, basically assume that meekness is actually weakness. I don't know if any of you read the book, The Screwtape Letters. Has anyone read that book by C.S. Lewis? So C.S. Lewis wrote the Narnia Chronicles and many other fantastic Christian books. But in that book, he postulated this sort of suggested this idea that there's a department in hell or in the demonic realm and he calls it the philological arm, that is just dedicated to corrupting the meaning of English words for their own purposes. And I think it's been very successful in corrupting of this meaning of this word meek. And very many others, actually, if you look through history. More recently, it's, he's been busy corrupting the word marriage, which is a topic for another time, perhaps. So it's worked hard on the word meek, um, and this is why the modern translations very much favor the word gentle. And only people who sting, still read the King James Version, and there's quite a lot of them, can, might get confused by the modern meaning of the word meek. But actually, if you look at gentle, there's a problem with that word too. Because gentleness in English does not really quite cut it. Because it does not adequately cover the biblical meaning of meek, which we'll look at. And the main reason is when you're talking about someone being gentle, you're talking about actions generally. So the, 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 the actions that John and Anna had for that baby, they had gentle actions um, towards others, to their baby. But being meek is not just about actions. It's more about your attitude towards others and that the actions that flow from that. Okay, so there is actually another New Testament word that is translated gentleness, and we'll put that one up now. They're getting harder to pronounce. Epi, yeah, epi Ikea, epi Ikea. I don't know, Ikea. No, so. 
I was going to get you all to go with me, but I think it's hopeless. Considerateness, fairness, gentleness, mindless. And we'll f- we find this in 2 Corinthians 10.1. Yes, that's the verse we got up there. Um, we actually find the word meekness right next to the word gentleness. So we can see they're actually different. And this is the English Standard Version, one of the places where it uh, puts the word prioritas as meekness. So I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness, which prioritas and gentleness, the epicure of Christ, I who am humble, when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I'm away. So they are not the same word. Um, there's a wonderful example of this gentleness of Jesus found in Luke 18, and also in Matthew 19 and Mark 10. You probably all know this one. And it's Jesus with the children. And I'll just read a few verses. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs such as the, to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. That's the gentleness of Jesus in action. Okay, and there's also another word. <clears throat> Sometimes this word is translated humility, but there's another Bible word for the word humility. And it's worth looking at that. This is impossible to pronounce, Okay. Tapinofrosune, this is the word that means humility, lowliness of mind, and modesty. And again, there's a verse there where we clearly see the same, this word humility, tapinofrosune, right next to the same word for meekness, which it puts translation uh, as gentleness in, in the NIV. And uh, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness or meekness and patience. So again, humility is not quite the same thing as meekness. We'll go over. Um, and amazingly, there's an amazing example of humility um, just before that passage about Jesus asking the children to come to him in Luke 18. And I'll read this because I've spoken on this before. And it's an amazing passage of Jesus' idea of what humility is. And he tells this story. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, that was a religious leader of the day, and the other, a tax collector, who was basically the scum of the earth as far as they were concerned. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus said this, I tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before God for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. There is a difference. Humility, there's a difference between humility and meekness. Humility is primarily an attitude towards yourself when you compare yourself with God or it's actually an attitude towards yourself where meekness is primarily an attitude towards other people. Your attitude towards other people and your actions that come from that. So after all this, what exactly does biblical meekness mean, and how can we show it? And actually, when we do that, we will actually find that meekness, showing meekness, is actually the most challenging aspect of the fruit so far. And unfortunately, there is no adequate English word to convey what the receivers of Paul's letters, what they would have understood when they read that word, when they read that word, prioritize. 
Um, but there are articles all over the internet you can find that make an attempt to describe what the word meekness, or biblical word meekness, really means. Remember the, the B, uh, definition for BDAG, I can't remember what they stand for, initials of the authors. Meekness is the quality of not being overly impressed by sense of one's self-importance. Here's another one I found that I feel is getting closer. Meekness is yielding my personal rights and expectations with a desire to serve. But if you don't have to look very hard, you'll find another one widely on the web, which is meekness is strength under control. And that's a very interesting, a very interesting definition. And we're going to look at that a bit more closely because we'll see that it's closely connected with the next week's talk the Sim's going to give on self-control, strength under control. And the strength under control idea comes from the application of these Greek words for meekness or meek to powerful animals, especially beasts of burden. Think of an ox pulling in a plow or an elephant carrying logs, with, you know, heavy logs with his tusks, or a powerful horse being controlled by a small bit in his mouth. Um, that's something we see described in the book of James, and I think Sim even has a chapter in his book on it. <laughs> so that is the idea of strength under control. And this interpretation, this idea, comes from the classical Greek period, which is before the biblical Greek period. We got a slide. that actually took me a lot of searching to find where this actually came from. It actually comes from Aristotle, a Greek philosopher, pupil of Plato, 400 years or so before Jesus, or 300 to 400 years. And he said this, meekness is not about powers foregone, but powers controlled and exercised with discernment. And actually, he even got it from... Or at the, slightly overlapping, but actually earlier than him, a Greek general called Xenophon. That is, I don't know that's a picture of him. He's got no clothes on, so I'm sorry about that. But um, <laughs> uh, He said, a wild stallion that has been tamed is meek. So the idea that a wild stallion, once you've tamed it, that has become a meek animal under control of, of its rider. So these, these definitions predate, they're before Paul and Christ by 400 years or so, we can't be completely certain that the, the word in, in Koine Greek, which the Bible has written, had quite the same meaning by the time it got to Jesus and Paul, but it was certainly much closer to it than the modern idea, you know, 2,000 years later, of being docile, overly submissive, or compliant. Okay. So the key in that definition of the power and the strength is harnessed and directed by another. Meekness here could be described as a strength that is submitted to an appropriate or a higher authority. And N.T. Wright, if you heard, or Tom Wright, if you heard of me, a highly respected British scholar, he says, and he says of that definition, he says, we like that definition, strength under control, because it means at least it's not weak or wimpy. You know, it means something else. But he says, I suppose the word goes with others like gentle, though that is more, he, he said this, that is more directly related to how someone behaves in relation to others. And humble behaves, humble, though that is more to do with one's belief about oneself. It is as if it was halfway between those two, humility and gentleness. It denotes a particular character, but also the way that character behaves to others. So are we any closer now to know what meekness or gentleness as means as part of the fruit of the Spirit? Perhaps we are, but we're still not totally clear what it means in practice. How do I show that stuff? What does it mean? Well, fortunately, the Bible helps us here. There are only two people in the Bible that are actually called meek. And here they are. We've got a picture. Here's the first one. Moses. Moses and Jesus, the only two people in the Bible described as meek. And there's a quote uh, from Numbers 12. And I'll read the passage so you get the context. 
Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman who he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people on the, who are on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, come out you three to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam and they both came forward. Now if you read on that story, God was not a happy bunny and he truly let rip into Aaron and Miriam um, for their disrespecting of Moses. Now some people... And it's really funny. I think this verse 3 was added later. Since Moses, we believe, was the author of this book of Numbers, is he really going to say that about himself? Is he really going to say, you know, that he's the most humblest man on the face of the earth? Whatever the truth of that is, it's clearly God's view on Moses that's being expressed here because this is God's word. And only God could know that Moses was the meekest man on the planet. Okay. So Moses, the the meekest man. And then the next one was Jesus. And Jesus, here's a you know, very well-known verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn. Jesus said this of himself. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto yourselves. That's the King James. The NIV turns it to gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. Humble here, again, is the adjective, the describing version of the word humility, which we saw earlier. But notice also, Jesus doesn't seem to be bothered about calling himself humble or meek here. So um, what is really clear from these two, char- these two people, that if they're our best examples of meekness, we would certainly not call either of them weak or docile or overly submissive and compliant. Now, we know Moses didn't think he could speak to the people. and He wanted Aaron to speak to him. He's basically, you know, afraid. But he was certainly not weak or timid when he went to demand that Pharaoh let the Israelites go. And neither was he when he dealt with sin among the Israelites. And Jesus certainly wasn't meek or, or weak or timid either. He walked the earth with the power of the Holy Spirit in him. He healed the sick. He raised people from the dead. And he had incredible love and unconditional acceptance for those around him. He respected people and he gained their respect. And Jesus also understood the needs of people and met them there. At the same time, he didn't shrink back from confronting people's behavior when it was necessary. So we've got another slide. It's just quickly that the same word, meekness, gentleness, is used by Paul in just a few verses on from the Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit. And he says this, Believe if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness or a spirit of meekness. Keep watch on yourselves lest you too be tempted. And in the next verse, in 1 Timothy, again, Paul wrote this, and he says, correcting his opponents with gentleness or meekness. So in both cases there, someone who is meek is being correcting or restoring someone who's going wrong, um, who who may be in error, who's fallen into sin. So you're obviously not being weak or submissive when you're doing that. Maybe the word gentleness does fit better with that particular definition, but it's more to do with the attitude that you carry when you, when you do that correction or restoration. Okay, we're going yeah, to skip a slide. So the most amazing demonstration of meekness in action is Jesus in the story of when he washed the disciples' feet. And um, I'm not going to read the story, but it's in John 13, 1 to 17. There's just this one verse. Um, here he was, their master and their teacher. I mean, as it also happens, the creator of the universe in human form stooping down to do the work that was meant for servants and slaves 
and washing his disciples' dirty, smelly feet. In fact, Peter was so embarrassed at the thought of Jesus doing this for him that at first he refused to let him do it. And he said this, and you know, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Read the story if you want to know what happened. But right at the end, Jesus said this, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. He tells us that we must show this type of meekness to one another. That event, that event of Jesus' washing feet is meekness in action, the stronger person deferring to and serving the weaker one or ones. Jesus is clearly our example of meekness. And this is exactly what the Bible tells us about Christ in a later letter written by Paul. And we read this famous passage in Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. This is the complete opposite of what the world teaches us. Today it says, be strong, stand up for your rights, don't get trampled on, look after number one, speak your mind, be true to yourself. Has anyone seen The Greatest Showman? I've seen it three times, a fantastic film. And it has this very, very powerful song called This Is Me. And although the point of that song is that although society looks down the people in the film, they don't look down on themselves. And the people singing it are proud of who and what they are. But true meekness is even alien to this concept of this is me. True meekness does not draw attention to itself at all, even though it may have every right to. Instead, it shifts the focus entirely onto others, more like, this is you. Okay. I'm going to look at one, I think I've got time, yeah, because well, this is fun. Uh, one interesting use of the word meekness in James, which I'm assuming the one Sim covers is in the book. We have the next slide. Okay, slide 21. Yeah. Oh. Not quite. Yes, that's the one. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Or another translation says this. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, he should show his works done in the gentleness that wisdom, or the meekness that wisdom brings. It's talking about true wisdom leading us to demonstrate meek and godly behavior rather than proud and ungodly behavior. This is especially true when we realize we know so little and that we are answerable to a far greater power who knows and sees and understands infinitely more than we do. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians, Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. But the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. That's the wisdom of the world. Many famous people have attested to this growing awareness of wisdom throughout this life, throughout their lives. And here we've got the next slide. Albert Einstein said this, the more I learn, the more I realize how much I don't know. And Aristotle again said well before him, basically the same thing. The more you know, the more you know that you don't know. 
This is not to be confused with the next one. Aristotle Anassis, who was the Greek billionaire and shipping owner who married Jacqueline Kennedy, the wife of JFK, uh, he said, the more you own, the more you know you don't own. That's not what we're talking about. Okay. And this, this one I love. Mark Twain supposedly said this. I'll tell you why he possibly didn't anyway, but he was the author of Tom, uh, Tom Sawyer, wasn't it, and various other books. Not a believer, actually, but he said some amazing things. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished how much he had learned in seven years. <laughs> the reason it's maybe him is because actually his parents died when he was about 10. So it might have been an apocryphal story, but this is fantastic, isn't it? That as we get older, we realize how little we know and the stuff we thought we knew, you know, we got only half the story. Um, and that, so that tends us to meekness to, should, as we get So finally, if we've taken so long to get the heart of what this word meekness and gentleness actually means, the one I felt was close, as I said before, was yielding my personal rights and expectations with a desire to serve. Because it's me, I had to come up with my own attempt at it. And this is my attempt at meekness. The attitude and practice of giving others preference over yourself. So not just the attitude, but the practice of giving other. And this encompasses both the attitude and the action. And it should happen naturally, unconsciously. It should, if you're in a software, you talk about the default behavior. Our default mode should be to prefer others over ourselves in whatever we do, to give them preference. So hopefully now we've got some idea of what biblical meekness means, what it does not mean. But I wanted an everyday illustration of true meekness in action, how that might look for us today, something that we could get our heads around and understand and hopefully try to emulate the principles and I was really praying about this, and I felt God dropped this idea into my mind. And it's simply this. Um, meekness is showing meekness. is like letting your child win at a game in which you could have easily beaten them. That's meekness, isn't it? And you do this simply to bless them because you value and love them so much. And especially you do it without letting them or anyone else know that you did it. That's meekness in action. Um, I think that's a powerful picture. Strength under control, naturally deferring to the weaker person for their blessing and because you love them so much. And of course, as always, there's an example in my own marriage. I don't know if you know, but my lovely wife, Judith, doesn't really do computers. She's weak at computers. Or she does them very slowly. And I mean very slowly. And I'm somewhat more expert and have a lot of experience in completely. And frequently, Judith is asking me to help her out and to do things for her. Do I always help without questioning, without complaining? Do I seek how I can make things easier for her at the expense of my own time and effort? Sometimes I do. <laughs> but unfortunately, far more often, I do not. I moan and I tell her helpful things like, if you don't do things yourself, you will never learn and get faster at them. This is not me showing meekness. Please do not follow my example. What does it mean for us? If we get into a disagreement with our wife, with our husband, with our brother, with our sister, with parents or friends, and we know we are in the right, do we push that advantage until we win the argument? Or do we show meekness and concede the point to them? If we get cut up, by another driver, 
at a roundabout, and we know we are, they are in the wrong. Do we get angry and honk our horns and try and really let them know what they've done, or do we let it go? If we get taken advantage of at work or by our friends and family or even at church and we know that they had no right to treat us that way, do we really let them have it and make sure they know what they've done to us? Or do we forgive them and continue to act lovingly towards them? If we get put into an impossible situation by someone, whether it's either them who's going to get hurt or damaged or us, do we quietly take the hit ourselves so that they do not get hurt? Do we do that? Let's always try to show true biblical fruit of meekness to that other person, even when it is hard, even when we think they don't deserve it, even when it means that we suffer or lose out or look foolish as a result. We must follow the example of Jesus, who did the work of a servant and washed his disciples' dirty, smelly feet, who being in the very nature God, creator of the universe did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage that is true meekness in action and when we're showing the fruit of the spirit that's what we will be like too but my last slide just want to remind us that meekness is the fruit of the spirit we must not despair that we can never be like this or certainly never keep it up The whole point of this scripture we are studying, the whole passage, is that these are the fruit of the Spirit. It is not something we can possibly do for ourselves, and nor are we expected to try. We can only do this and show these flavors of the Spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside us. Our duty is to stay close to God and to be continually filled with His Holy Spirit. Then all the fruit, all those flavors, including meekness, will come as a natural outworking of that filling. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.